looked and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? have their own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas like what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, uh, July 27th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 394. Tech issues. And I'm trying to channel those island vibes. My name is Caleb Hegg. Enjoying a half-calf, half-decaf iced Americano with a splash of cream in my Trinidad and Tobago mug. I'm Rob Vanoff. That was quite the intro. Um, we keep going. You know, I'm... I'm- I'm not very good at those. If you haven't noticed after 394 shows or 393. <laughs> yeah, 394. Um, I'm just trying to put some messages in here for the chat room. Uh, we're having tech issues today. And I think mainly what the tech tech issues are is simply my internet. Um, I'm, <laughs> I actually got some really fast internet, to be honest. But uh, there is probably three children inside uh, on the internet of their own on three separate devices. And so, um, you yeah. need a giant, a giant light in your living room says on air, like <laughs> exactly. No, or no. Life. Uh, yeah, we've had uh, our, our youngest has had some major, uh, major problems with, uh, her teeth coming in and 
And uh, I think she's sick as well, even on top of that. And so hasn't been sleeping well. So it wouldn't surprise me if the uh, kids were given some 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 screen time this morning to let mom sleep. Some self-soothing devices. (laughs) Hey, which which mug are you sporting there? This is the um, oh, sorry. Here, let me let me turn it around and show you here. I don't have one of that one. This is the yeah. CDC label. Nice. Yeah, that was from 2020 or 2021. <clears throat> that was nine. last. Executive pr- producer, spring 2022. Oh, okay. that's this year. Nice. Let's get some of this stuff out of the way so we can actually get talking. Because you know what? We we have a ton to talk about today. Let's see here. I'm going to put up our summer uh, producers. And actually, I need to, I have a note about this. Uh, who was it? Eric Warren, who his name will be the last name on the uh, producers list today, has been an executive producer starting in the summer, but I neglected to list him in our producer credits. And I'm, I am very, Caleb, I, come on, I know, man. I'm sorry. We'll give him some extra credit. He gets an extra audio clip. Well, hey, that's not a bad idea now, is it? Let's see here. What do we got? We'll give this to Eric. Um, let's see here. What's something that I haven't done? In a while. If you hear me crunching ice, I'm trying to do it quietly. Okay, here we go. Let's see if I can do. Uh, we'll we'll do. So this is for Eric Warren. I apologize for not having you in uh, in the credits. Sponsored by Ace Religious Supply, where they say if we don't got it, it ain't holy. Hang on, just a sec. I'm gonna I'm gonna up the uh, volume of this. Sponsored by Ace Religious Supply, where they say if we don't got it. It ain't holy. It's such a fine line between stupid and and clever. You've been blessed. It's funny, the common, common, uh, well, one commonality between those clips is Harry Shearer. Exactly. That's right. Did you do that on purpose? I did not, but that is a, you, you nailed it, man. That is absolutely right. Now he's not in the second, he's not. You can't hear. He's not in the second clip, but he's in. You the, can't hear him, but he's there. He's at that yeah. scene, right? That that's at Elvis's grave, right? Sin, small baby. Like he's like we're in the presence of a king. He's <laughs> <laughs> like same key, I think. Oh man, <laughs> that's the yeah. most brutal musician jab. Like you, you got oh. bands. It's like look, look, dude. I think we're supposed to be playing in the same key. <laughs> 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 Dude, oh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're just going to leave you out of the loop. But for those who do... Uh, Puts things um, into perspective. Too much? Li- yeah. Reading perspective. Okay. Let's, let's, let's be careful. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, what else do we have here? Oh, yeah. Our our call, our calling. So uh, be a part of this conversation. 253-465-3205. 253-465-3205. You can also uh, get a hold of us through email. Cheg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. Go to Torresource for all sorts of uh, wonderful stuff, including paid and free stuff. And uh, I think my Wonderful are, things. Wonderful things. I think my father and I are going to start doing a little series, five minutes a week or something like that. I don't know. I don't nice. Know it, oh, awesome. Yeah, also, like, just a little plug. We have... Uh, Two mini, they're called, we call them classes. They're like mini sample class, sample lectures that we're doing. And I think those drop next week. Yeah, they're free. And uh, finally, the most important out of all of them, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It really does help us. And we are what, we're like 25 subscribers away from 8,000 subscribers, which is seriously, nothing, yeah, which is nothing in the realm of, of YouTube. But to, to me, that's a lot. So, 
That's awesome, man. Praise God. Come on, guys. Subscribe. Um, okay, let's let's move. Let's How many move of those to- are bots? I want Elon Musk to come and like, yeah, do and, some research. And buy YouTube. Here we go. Kyle says this. Now, this is what we left on the table last week that we never got to. And we're going to get to it right now. Kyle wrote in. <clears throat> he had asked the comment about rabbi, the term rabbi. I mean, this is all over the internet, by the way. I even I even asked somebody in a private conversation today on on Facebook why they were calling themselves rabbi. I'm hoping for the response. I went to four years of rabbinical school, but uh, I would be shocked if I got it. Anyway, that's not the point, and neither is it the conversation for this show. The conversation is this. Kyle writes in, he says, in the most recent episode of Messiah Matters, this is actually two ago, so this is uh, 392, this is in episode 392, Rob mentions a particular rabbi who believed apostolic scriptures, the apostolic scriptures, to have been originally written in Hebrew or Aramaic. Would Rob be able to provide any of this rabbi? He said. Or Latin. We've already, uh, I've already provided that for said gentleman um, and for Kyle, and uh, he says, I have heard of Life of Yeshua from Robert Lindsay. I don't know what that is. My church, he goes on. My ch- Kyle goes on, that is. My church has let this idea seep into the minds of some of the congregation, and I would like to know how to apologetically correct this assumption. It seems to me this is a distraction based in higher criticism. That is true. The same thing as JEDP, but in the New Testament. Okay, so he has another comment after this, but we're going to address this one first. Um, Wait. So... <clears throat> Hebrew, Aramaic primacy over Greek primacy. You want me to go first since I'm the the moron when it comes to languages and then you can uh, wrap it up or do you want to go first? So what I'm hearing, okay, so Robert Lindsay was part of this, they called it the Jerusalem School or whatever. It's guys in the, I think, maybe 70s and 80s, so 1980s. And they were convinced that the rig- there was an original gospel that was written in Hebrew and so what they did is they went back this it's been 20 years since I've even looked at this stuff, but I think they went back and they, what they did is they took the Greek uh, new Testament or at least the gospels and they translated it back into Hebrew trying to like, what would this be? What would this be? So they, they came up with what they think is a reverse engineering to try to come up with what the Hebrew original is. Right. It's a completely different endeavor than the Aramaic primacy groups. The Aramaic primacy stems from uh, Assyrian Christianity, really, which which has the Syriac uh, Old Testament and the Syriac New Testament. I'm just using those language. Those aren't my normal words, but just to try to get our Make brain around this. Yep. Um, Syriac Christianity, because indeed Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic. It's it's an Aramaic language. There's Eastern Aramaic, Western Aramaic, just in the same way that there's Eastern and Western Jewish Aramaic. But these are these emerge really post seventy. Uh, that that and the Peshitta has been thoroughly studied and mapped out. George Kiraz over at the Beth Marduta, I think he's head of, of uh, uh, a press out of Pennsylvania that p- produces all sorts of wonderful scholarly work, very expensive books. But they have a new translation of the Peshitta, of the Aramaic into English. They are the world's top experts on the Aramaic New Testament, and they themselves acknowledge that it's a translation from the Greek. So, but what has happened is some people have, they get a little bit of that idea and they go, oh, this was the language of Jesus. 
Therefore, this must be original. And they don't do any hard work. They just take this sensational kind of idea and run with it. And so, but, you know, we need laborers. What We need people who labor in the word of God, not take little uh, sensational snippets and run and try to sell it. So, but anyway, so the, the idea of a Hebrew original and the idea of Aramaic original are very those are the different, two different arenas, things. right? Um, that's one one thing I'll point out. But Caleb, I, I kind of hijacked you. Asked to go first, so um, no, that's totally fine. I, so you know, just a couple of things. First of all, the the Jerusalem School. One of the things that, at least from the people that I that I have read, uh, that I don't know if they they were actually part of the Jerusalem School or if they just adhere to the uh, the study that the Jerusalem School did. One of the things that they often state is that Matthew wrote his gospel in Hebrew first, and that the uh, the church fathers attest to this, and that there is attestation of or a reference to Matthew writing a Hebrew gospel all the way up into the 10th century. Now, this is absolutely true. I've, I've We've talked about this on this show before, so those who ha- are the hardcores, uh, the hardcore Robin Caleb show fans who go back to th- to th- that era will have heard this before. But um, basically, what we see is uh, there is there is attestation of a Hebrew gospel or a a gospel written in Hebrew by Matthew. Now, this is different. It needs to be quickly stated that this is different than what is referred to as the Hebrew Matthew. Uh, the Hebrew Matthew and the and the Dutale, they come much later. So th- these are two completely separate things, even though they're named the same thing, which, and there's a lot of confusion here as well. The Hebrew Matthew, however, that the uh, church fathers and the early church references, they reference it against, and this is vitally important to understand, they reference it against the gospel of Matthew. And what I mean by that is they will have lists of the canon, uh, accepted, uh, rejected, and, um, possible, okay? And uh, within those three lists, they'll have the Hebrew Matthew or the Hebrew gospel, and then uh, that'll be in the rejected, and then in the accepted, they'll have the gospel of Matthew. So in the very lists of the canon, we see that they they are seeing these as two completely separate works. Also, in the times that the church fathers in the uh, early church um reference or quote what they are calling uh, the gospel of Matthew in Hebrew, uh, it is, I think it's something outrageous, like 80% of the quotes are not found in the book, in the gospel of Matthew. Um, and that also is very significant. So the point here is that what the, uh, what is referenced by the church fathers as the Hebrew Matthew or the, the gospel written in Hebrew by Matthew is not the same as what we have in the Gospel of Matthew. It's two separate books. That's very, I think that's very important for the study. Caleb, there was a couple glitches, so I'm not yeah. sure if that's happening for everybody, but it just is. the audio broke out for a sec. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah. Um, the, what we need to be careful of, I think, in terms of being stewards of the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with looking at translations and the history. Like if you want to study the apostolic fathers, right? If you want to say, well, how did, you know, what script, what, what did they have? What were they quoting? You could read 
for example, Augustine, and he's quoting Latin, right? He's quoting Latin when he cites the Torah. Um, uh, Then you have Jerome who's citing Greek, but then he's like, you know what? I want to look at the Hebrew. He's learning Hebrew so he can revise the Latin translation and update it according to what he knows learning Hebrew when it comes to the Tanakh. So the church history has one of the, one of the trajectories of growth over the last 2000 years is our sharpening our understanding of the, of, of the scribal tradition, right. Of the word of God. But, but what I don't like is it. So if someone wants to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in these traditions of the church fathers talking about a Hebrew gospel, or I'm interested in reading the Aramaic Bashida, that's great. What, what I'd say, you know, get the skills and, and learn stuff. But if someone starts taking an ideological claim against the Greek, and this is one, there was this, this new <clears throat> Hebrew gospels website, and they're doing the same thing that Nehemiah Gordon did. And they're saying, oh, right. the Vatican was hi- hiding all these original Hebrew John, original Hebrew Matthew. I did a short video on it, but the point is, it's, it's ridiculous. It. But the people taking, now, if you want to study those manuscripts, and learn about the the translation style and everything. What that's fine, but to make the claim, the doctrinal claim that the the Greek text cannot be trusted. Yeah, that's that. That's uh, that's where it goes bad. That's where it goes sour real quick, because Let's, most often the people making those claims don't. Uh, don't they're not anchored they're not they're not anch- they're not serving yeshua's flock right so this is a, this is another point here is that why does it even matter that the scriptures have preserved been preserved by by god's uh uh you know just uh sovereign grace protection if it's not for his flock right and so when you have people who are not of his flock, because it's in the world, it's a material object, right? Manuscripts, books, anybody can grab a Bible and start teaching from it. You, and so, but the Lord knows that. And so, but, but it's for his flock. And so who are those who are interested in understanding God's word and interested in the health of the flock? Those are the people who have a harder task because you have to learn about what is ministry. What does it mean? You know, what, what does it mean to help a, a, a soul who's, who's, you know, needing, needing some biblical counsel. And that's a, that, you know, it, that's the realm where we are to serve the Lord. And I think teachers need to have an understanding of that part of our responsibility. It's not just this academic thing like, Oh, you know, like the, oh, the, the, what was it? September 11th, the towers are falling and they're crying Allah Akbar. And, and I'm learning that Tetragrammaton is pronounced a certain way, right? By revelation. And then I'm going to go teach everybody that this is how the, and, you know, make all this money and make a name for myself, making a name for myself, teaching then, and, and, but Noah, you know, who's going to listen to me? Oh, gullible Christians. Gullible so we're, we're I, I think gonna, we're I'm going to uh fleece the flock. I think and we're I'm, a little far off from from Aramaic and Hebrew primacy. Uh let's let's do this. I want you to go ahead and finish your thought. It, well, they, these guys do that though. They're selling 
they're selling this message of, hey, you Christian, I know you love Jesus and you love your Bible, but you guess what? You've been lied to about the original, and I have the secret sauce. I have the Hebrew original. I'm going to teach you really about what Yeshua meant. Right. You know, you, you know, and it's a way not, to manipulate. It's different it's, than it's a way to manipulate. It's a way to manipulate the text, isn't it? Because you can say, oh, no, 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 the text doesn't really say that. If we go back to the original Hebrew, what it actually says is you don't right. have to actually deal with what the text says. And so when you get into these hard sayings of Yeshua or when you get into hard, difficult passages, you can you can smooth them all out with your, oh, well, it's it the serpent in the garden. Yeah, it, it didn't. Did did God really did God say that? Really no, he didn't, because because it was Hebrew or Aramaic. It wasn't actually, it wasn't actually Greek. Okay, let's uh, let's. So what's just, beautiful about this though is I think I think the Lord uses this to as one of the mechanisms for separating wheat from chaff. The people who Yeshua says, you know, those who you know, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And we can rest in that. And that means that means they're going to persevere. That So like, hey, you know, 25 years ago when I started learning about this stuff, I was listening to a guy who was, this is a segue, two house, Hebrew word pictures. And to me, it was exciting. It was like, man, you know, it was like, man, I, I grew up in a church that didn't know anything about this. And wow, I was so, I, I mean, I was the poster child for that that kind of religious consumer, you know? And so I look back and it's like, look, you know, I, I, I remember when I was a teenager. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hang on. Let's, let's finish up this comment real quick. Let's, let's okay. um, put this in the bag. So I want under two minutes. Okay. Under two minutes. Why? Uh, hang on just a sec. Our, man, our stream is just all over the place today. Um, in under two minutes, tell me this. Do you believe in a Q source? Should I explain what a Q source is? Some people, real quick, some people believe that uh, Matthew and Mark had one document that they both used. I, I tend to agree with the idea that they had some kind of a document. I think it's a, it's a helpful theory. Yeah. It's a helpful but, theory, but, I ha but it has limitations. And it, but it, it, it's a helpful idea because basically... Caleb, do you, want, do you want to say what it was for those? No, no, who... no. Keep going. Oh, so Q just is just for the German word for source. It's not like they had a, a manuscript with a big letter Q on the top of it or anything <laughs> like that. It just means unknown uh, unknown source. But but what are they pointing to? They're saying, look, if we lay out Mark and Matthew next to each other, there's a lot of stuff that they have in common. Right. Direct quotes. That, that, that is not in... Um, or no, how, how does it, no, that Luke, Luke and Matthew share material that's in Mark, and then they share material that's not in Mark. Right. So wherever Matthew and Luke have similar material that's not in the gospel of Mark, they think, wow, there must be an additional tradition. So I just call it early Christian tradition. Right. I just call it early gospel teaching, and it could have been oral. It could have been in written documents. I mean, Luke tells us at the beginning, that's what I love about Luke. He's like, look, this is what I did. I, I, I know there's a whole bunch of stories going around. And so I needed to, he's kind of in our, I mean, right. It's, it's the same point for all believers. He's like, there's a lot of people saying stuff about Yeshua. I'm paraphrasing Luke's position at the beginning, 
But you know what? What I did is I went and I tested sources. I went and interviewed people. I went and evaluated documents and I've got a clear picture. And then I'm going to now give you that clear picture. And, so, uh, and so he, their sources that Luke had were just interviews with like, how did he learn about Elizabeth and Zechariah and Elizabeth? I, I think he went and talked with like family members or them and right. he like learned. <clears throat> I agree. So I, I don't, the, the notion uh, that the, you know, at SBL one year they sat around and they had, they, they, they decided what they thought was in queue and they came up with this fake, uh, document that's not there's no or, document that wasn't cute that was the sayings they they just called it did jesus really say this or not no they they created the q document out of that that's like your critical q document that that you can buy now on the shelf that was from well, the jesus conference because okay. there was also one just the sayings of jesus and they're like they went through every time it said Christ said, or Jesus said, and they all voted whether this was real or not. Real or not, right? That okay, was a so joke, maybe. I don't. I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. But I do think that there is. It's possible that there was a, a source document. Okay, let's move on. Brandon has he asked this quite a, a while ago. This was on our conversation about Acts twenty one, and so uh, we talked about the fact that uh, the later manuscripts uh, add stuff that should not be in the text. And this is what Brandon says. He says, follow up to your response, even if, you, if, if we concede to use the critical text translations over the received text, the question that I had still remains. In the passage in Acts 21, the context seems to, it doesn't seem to be alluding to anything about what needs to be done to be saved. That's correct. Uh, the whole context is about uh, whether or not Paul is speaking against cir- circumcision in the law. Right? So that's that's the context right, of the passage right. of 21. The claim was, you know, many have heard, I'm just going from memory, but basically James saying, look, people are teaching things about you somewhere they got this wild idea. And right. they're teaching that they've misunderstood you and those misunderstandings are promulgating. Right. right. Um, and so anyway, <clears throat> that's the context. I got something in my, in my lungs today. Anyway. Uh, he says, uh, seems to be alluding, okay, saved, like we see in Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council, but simply that the law should be kept by the Jews. Agreed. And the Gentiles, for that matter. I think that, that he wraps that up. Anyway, that's what we're getting to. But then we see the same guidelines laid out in verse 25 for the Gentiles as in Acts 15, 29. Correct. When, uh, what then is Acts 21, 25 speaking to? Why does James interject the statement of, as for the Gentile believers, we have written to them. We have written to them. Sorry. uh, Our decision that they should abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, so on and so forth. So the re okay, so that's the, I think that that's the the whole question. He's just history. He's just reiterating. Because he's. what historically happened that we read about in Acts 15. Well, I, I think that it's more than that. He's talking about the place of, of Torah in the life of a believer. He's saying, look, go to the temple so that the Jews know that you're not against the Torah or circumcision. We've already written to the Jews or to the Gentiles. We've told them abstain from these things and you're going to learn the rest of the Torah in the synagogue every single uh, Sabbath. So we don't need to, what we're worried about, and the Gentiles aren't going to be in the, in the temple anyway, right? You were not allowed in the temple if you were Gentile. So the, so going to the temple to sacrifice is not going to show the Gentiles anything. Not only that, but they're hundreds and hundreds of miles away. 
So the point is, is you go to the temple to show the Jews that the, that you are not against the, the Torah and the circum and being circumcised. We've already written to the Gentiles and told them that. We've already told we've already written to the Gentiles and told them abstain from these four things. Then go to the synagogue on Saturdays and learn the rest of the Torah. So I mean, yeah, I think that right. I think that James there, just there's transformation. Okay, so Yeshua comes, teaches his disciples like the truth. This is the this is how we understand the Torah. This is how you're you need to understand the Torah, right? Love God. Love your neighbor yourself. All the mitzvot are on these, right? But there's transformation for Jews who become believers, and there's transformation for Gentiles who become believers. But that transformation, the the starting point of each of those transformations is different. Now, even, even on the Jewish side, there's more than one place. You know, someone who's a Pharisee could become a believer. A Samaritan could become a believer. An Essene, you know, could become a believer, right? So, um, and then on the Gentile side, someone who's, you know, I don't know, a Roman worshiper of some sort, a Caesar worshiper, or someone who worshiped Athena could become a believer, right? So those, right. all those backgrounds are different. But my point is this, the, the Yeshua already knocked over the, the tables and said, you, you know, your house has left you desolate. You made this, this is a house to be a house of prayer for all nations. You've turned it in to a den of thieves. And even after that, the disciples are looking how beautiful it is. He's like, look, not one stone's on going to be left on another. So they knew that the problem of the, of the temple was resolved by what's going to be resolved by God through permitting Rome to come and destroy it. And that why, because it wasn't serving it does it because God doesn't want a temple. no, is it because a temple and sacrifices against God's new new revealed will? Will no, it's because uh, because they were obscuring, they weren't entering and they weren't letting anybody else enter. And part of that was the architecture, like Caleb referred referred to, which is uh, that uh, what they call the uh, uh, the soreg, which was this wall that had, and they have you know. Uh, inscriptions surviving that were part of that, that said Gentiles enter upon pain of their own death. Like they, their death, death is on their own head. If they pass over this, pardon me, <clears throat> whatever Caleb has is spread. Through yeah. The I'm, I'm passing it through the, through the internet. The, uh, that is an that is an ideological theological error encoded in the architecture of the temple mount that had to go. So, so that was temporary, that, that blocking of the Gentiles. It was wrong, and God was going to destroy that temple. Now, that's one transformation. The other is the, the function of the epistle that we read about in Acts 15, and then how they, they were rejoiced and edified. Those communities in the diaspora that received that epistle were built up for it. They right. loved it. Okay, why? Well, those people are coming from like places where they were worshiping like Caesar or who knows what kind of pagan background. And they're like, okay, we've left everything. We've left our family. We have a, we have left, you know, our ancestral traditions and we love Yeshua. We love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and the Jews generally, you know, if I go to the Pharisees, they want us me to do this. If I go to the Sadducees, they say, you're not even part of us. If I go to the Samaritans, I, I, uh, Samaritans reject the temple altogether. Like, where do I learn? Where do I learn the truth? So the Gentiles are coming from a completely different, what I call an existential predicament. 
And that epistle comes and is, is healing for them. It's a guide for them to go, okay, wow, I have to learn. I'm like in kindergarten, right? I'm like in kindergarten. I have to learn. Oh, okay. I have to learn to attune to like a completely different culture. And that culture is the culture of, of biblical Israel. It's the Torah and it's exemplified in the, those who love Yeshua, those who are walking and teaching the gospel message. And they're teaching it not as, they're, they're teaching it not as ignorant of all this, but as they understand the Jewish world, they are Jews, they understand the difficulties, they understand the, the fragmentation and debates and hostilities between Jewish groups. And they're just saying, look, listen to us, we'll give you the clear signal of the message of, of Yeshua, because that's what matters. Right. Sorry, that was long-winded, man. It's okay. My uh, internet keeps going in and out, so I'll pr what I'll probably end up doing, I don't know, we'll see. I, I might uh, just upload this video after the fact for those who are not with us live. Anyway, okay, let's move on. Thank you for the detailed explanation on that, Rob. Uh, I Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. Um, we have two... Uh, we have two comments left or two things left to talk about. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll probably just go to Hap. Hap says, uh, he says this, and, and this, so this, is, I just pulled one comment. This is actually one of, I think, four comments asking for the same thing over the past four, uh, four week, uh, two weeks, I guess. And uh, these four comments basically say the same thing that Hap says. He says, hello. My name is Pastor Haps with Olive Branch Ministry. Well, really love Messiah Matters content. Didn't know how to get a hold of you guys. Would really love and appreciate if you guys can do a whole show on two-house theology. The problems with it and how to refute it. Thank you. God bless. I'm going to take the lead on this one. Wow, cool. Uh, Thank you. Uh, what was his name? Haps. Pastor Haps. Pastor Haps. Thank you, Pastor Haps. That was a, that was a nice email. Go ahead, Caleb. You got it. So... Here's the thing that I did. I decided, you know, in, in those who have followed this show for quite some time know that we've talked about two-house theology uh, at length. And the thing is, is that I used to, and probably the most recent episodes that you could see on this uh, subject, I have said that there is a newer kind of understanding of what two-house theology is. Well, I wanted to test that theory, so I went online and I looked and started looking up um, articles on two-house theology. Now, for those who don't know two-house theology comes from British Israelism. This was the notion that, Brit, uh, that Britain was actually the lost 10 tribes of Israel. And if you were a English person and or a white English person descended into whatever country you're, you are now, you were actually one of the lost tribes of Israel. So this is what British Israelism essentially teaches in, in a nutshell. Uh, this expands over into all sorts of different other places like the Americas. And in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, a uh, woman named Bacha Wooten takes up British Israelism. She changes it. And what she does is she creates what essentially, well, I don't know if I'd say she creates, she makes popular what is known as two-house theology. And uh, she has like she has a book that is in like its 18th revision or something like that at this point. It's ridiculous. Anyway, and I think um, it's called is it MIA Messianic Israelites Alliance or Association or something like that. Something like that. But anyway, what what uh, Baja put forward was the notion that if you are a believer, 
doesn't matter what country you're in, doesn't matter what your heritage is. If you are a believer uh, and you have come to faith in Christ, you don't know it per se, but somewhere in your lineage, you are one of the lost 10 tribes of Israel. And so there is multiple problems with this. Now, before I talk about the multiple problems with that, let's just go to my recent comments that there's a new form of two-house theology. I don't actually think that's true. I think that what I have perceived as a new understanding of two-house theology is a misunderstanding of a few thinking that two-house says that the uh, Gentiles keep the, uh, keep the laws of God as well. This, this is a misunderstanding of two-house theology. That is not the case. It's not written anywhere that I can find. No one has stated that in um, online videos or online that I, that I can find. I'm sure people have said it, but I can't find that. All the articles uh, reference two-house theology, even recent articles, even articles as, as uh, recent as 2021, state that two-house theology is a ripoff of British Israelism and describe it as I have described it, which is that if you are a Gentile, quote-unquote, Gentile who comes to faith in Christ, uh, really you are one of the lost 10 tribes of Israel and you don't know it. Okay, so what are the problems with this and and, uh, why should this be rejected? Well, there's a number of reasons why, but my go-to reason is because Paul... Um, What Paul is doing in his letters is he is showing that he has had a radical transformation in his brain of what the gospel is. And really what the gospel is, is that in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so what Paul sees as the gospel is the ingathering of nations, not that that, uh, the lost 10 tribes come to faith. It is that the Gentiles come to a love and a, a... a love for God, and that is manifested through covenant relationship, um, covenant relationship with the living God, and that is done through God's covenants, obviously, hence covenant relationship. And so the notion that uh, we would have, uh, that any believer in Christ is really a lost 10 tribe, takes out any of the notion of the uh, of the Abrahamic promise uh, and the uh, really the Abrahamic covenant, and the fact that Christ's blood atones for all people. If we look at Micah 4, um, what, what do we see? We see that, uh, that God, uh, he comes in human form. He sits on the throne and the Torah will go out from Jerusalem to all the nations and all the nations will adhere. Well, how is this possible if all of the nations are now just the lost tribes of Israel? Essentially what this does is it, may, it, it is really without... Uh, I think I don't think Bacha Wooten was necessarily trying to do this when she when she wrote or the people since then. But really, what two house theology is is a buying in uh, to the notion of bloodline superiority. If I'm Jewish, I'm better than if I'm a Gentile. The Jews are better than the Gentiles. The Jews have a better handle on Scripture. The the Jews have better theology. The Jews can handle the Scriptures, whereas the Gentiles can't. This is racism. That's what it is. It's racist. You're saying that one one, uh, tribe of people, one people group, one race of people is better than another. That's called racism. So ultimately, the major problem with two-house theology is that it's rooted in the notion that the Jews are better than the Gentiles, and that is racist. It's, it's a racist notion. And so uh, I guess I'll just say it, two-house theology is rooted in racism. Okay, Rob? 
Yeah, I think you you called it. There's a phrase. There's one one of these uh, gotcha verses, or that they call that they think of it, is in Romans, like later chapters of Romans, where he says, uh, "It must be chapter 11 because he's talking about the the tree, the, the olive tree, and he says, "You know, it's a mystery. I'm going to tell you about the mystery, but you know." Um, mentions that until the, it says until the pleroma is the Greek word until the, the fullness blindness is or hardness has happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has entered in. And they take that and look at Jacob's blessing. When Jacob adopts Joseph's sons, Manashe is the older Ephraim is the younger and remember how, if you go back to that scene, I think it's Genesis 48, where he puts his right hand over Ephraim and his left hand over Menashe. And, and Joseph's like, wait, dad, wait. You, you know, and he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. You're doing it wrong. And he says, he, he says concerning Ephraim, who is the youngest, I mean, the second born, not the firstborn. He says he will be a Malo Hagoim. He will be a fullness of, of Gentiles. And so what? What they do then is they hot wire, they like hook a cable up to that, and then they hook another cable up to Romans, and they say, and then they like start the engine and say, this is a hardwired circuit now. That therefore, what Paul's really telling you in Romans 11 is that the mystery, the hardness of Israel is until Ephraim that is becoming the fullness of the nations comes back. And those are the wild olive trees that have been pruned and brought and and branches and grafted into the good olive tree. And this is how we are to understand Ezekiel 37 with the two sticks becoming one. So there's, there's a, in terms of poetry and like an appealing, like, Oh, Oh, that sounds so good. It's got, it's got some uh, some pull, and that's you know that's what I was taught in the mid '90s, right? I was taught this, so I I mean I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar with the you know a couple different circles of people that were real strong advocates of this. I had no real deep grasp of the scriptures or of the gospel at the time, so I I, I found it very compelling. Um, the same circles were about word pictures, Hebrew word pictures, um, original, you know, Aramaic original or Hebrew, like all these kinds of things and a, a claim against the church, you know, so all those things were clustered together in my experience. Um, but now that I've, you know, did some hard work, learned the languages, spend a lot of time reading the Bible and just working through this stuff, I look back and I'm like, Wow. Look, wow, wait, here's the, here's the thing, scary. Rob, is why do you, I mean, here's the thing. We got 23 and me. We got Ancestry.com. We don't need to guess. Just, I mean, all you got to do is spit in a little vial and you will find out if you're one of the lost tribes of Israel. The answer is no. I mean, it's, you know, the funny, can I make an analogy? Here you go. If you if you get into into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it, I knew you are okay, jiu-jitsu. Okay. We need, okay, we need a little... Caleb's going to use a jujitsu analogy song. Yes, exactly. Okay, go ahead. 
If you get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're going to realize that every every gym that you go into, every academy you go into, their professor, that that the black belt, they call them professors, right? The black belt at that gym, he is going to be able to tra- trace his training back to Gracie. It doesn't matter where he's at. Doesn't matter. Otherwise, it ain't Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Otherwise, you're going to get you're going to get uh, you, you know dojo stormed by another academy. They're going to come in. They're going to call out your fake black belt. You know, that's the, that's so what that happens. happens, right? There's people that who used try to, to sell themselves. Oh, that happens. I trained with Gracie. They get like, it's, they get a it, following. They, it's more fake black belts, but, and that used to happen, but it doesn't as much anymore. However, it is a fun YouTube uh, adventure to look up fake, uh, you know, f- fake uh, Smackdown. Yeah. Fake BJJ black belt smacked down by blue belt or something like that. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, but the, okay, okay. The, the point here is, is that there are certainly watch. people who, who aren't actually trained by Gracie, right? I mean, obviously, right? And now you have world champions. You know, Atos is, is uh, ran by Galvao. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. That's okay. But Galvao no, but is, the point is... The point is there's no imposters even going to make it into the arena. You know what I mean? They're, they're I mean, going to be spotted as exactly, counterfeit. Exactly. Why? So, because so, those but, people are so well-trained and... and but here's here's my point is that just like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, everybody everybody in in the Hebrew roots movement, everybody in the Torah movement wants to trace their lineage somehow back to being Jewish. Oh, I'm Jewish through you know my my grandmother's second cousin's mother's brother's father was you know like Jewish or something like that. And the the thing is is why can't we just be happy saying hey I'm part of the ingathering of the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. And one of the reasons why is because you can have Jewish people say, look look down their nose at you, and this has been one of the uh, this has been one of the uh, huge downfalls of the Messianic movement. It's not even the Hebrew Roots movement; it's the Messianic movement. There is this idea of Jewish superiority; it's bloodline superiority. What people don't realize is that they're so against things like white nationalism and the KKK and all this kind of stuff. Yet at the same time, they're okay. Many people are okay with with uh, Jewish superiority th- uh, theology, and of course, nobody calls it that. But it's this idea that we're the chosen people; we're better than you, and so it, you can't. Yeah, and that's against the doctrine of justification by faith. That means you're trying yeah. to be justified by some man-made construct that is about power and coercion, and wanting to be accepted by others. And that's why Paul in Galatians one said, "Look." If you're a servant of Messiah, you, you you can't. I can't be a servant of Messiah and be trying to run around trying to please everybody or please this people group over that people group. So uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that uh, p- where it really stems from, I once again, I don't think that this is people sitting around going, "I hate Gentiles." I'm going to you know whatever. No, this, I think they, they really believe it. <clears throat> where this comes from is a misunderstanding of the term uh, "chosen." What does it mean that that Israel is the chosen people? It, see, it doesn't get, mean but there's a it, romanticism with the rabbinic world in this a little bit in that the idea on this racism idea is that there are streams in the Orthodox world that that Jews have a holy soul and Gentiles have an animal soul. Right. Right. And, and, and that's just it. Like, it's just that's just it. Sorry. You know, you're and in the in the super extreme corners. It's like you're not even a true human. If you're not Jewish, right? So this is a 
Yeah. Oh, but ultimately, the, the fact is, is that, that uh, being chosen, God choosing Israel does not mean that he made their blood better than everybody else. It doesn't mean you're a superior human. It doesn't mean that you can navigate the scriptures better. Obviously, look at Israel throughout history. Israel has never been able to interpret the scriptures well, ever. No doubt. And not only that, in the Torah, in Deuteronomy, is it Deuteronomy 7 or Deuteronomy 9? It says, look, you're going to get into the land and you're going to go, oh, it's because of my righteousness I did this. That <laughs> right. the God He's like, no, it's for my namesake I did this. I'm doing this for me. Right. I'm doing this for me. And, and my wife and I were just talking about this this morning. It's so awesome. At the burning bush, you know, uh, Exodus 3. Moses says to the Lord, well, God says, okay, you're going to you know, go to, go to Pharaoh, you know, et cetera, go bring my people out of Egypt. And he's like, who am I that I will do this? God never answers. God doesn't say who you are. Well, oh, Moses, you're Moses. You're of the line of, of a Levi and you have special interpretive powers. Right. No, he says, the answer is I am with you. It's about who God is. Right. It's not about who Moses is. Yeah, what it means that, Ab- that Abraham is chosen, it means that he's chosen to carry the covenant. It means that the Messiah is going to come through his line. It means that that uh, they will ret- retain the, the words of the covenant. And that's exactly what Israel has done. Not by anything that they've done either. It's that God has been the one who has preserved that through right. the, his people. Right. I think in Romans 3, he says, what if they're faithless? Does that make God's faithfulness void? He's like, no. No, may it never be. It's right. it, it, it's a miracle. We have to realize, A, creation itself is a miracle. Our lives are a miracle. And inside that, we have the miracle of him preserving his word and the miracle of new birth. Right. It's all a miracle. It's nothing I can, it's this not like I sit of, down and I'm, you know, I'm going to study all the great wise people in history. Here's the thing gonna, is that, the, I, you know, the, and I'm going to choose the best. This is, I'll name drop real quick. This is why it was so interesting when Shapiro basically said, well, you're not Jewish. What an idiot. Sorry. <laughs> That's just. I mean, the, the fact is, is that he thinks that because he's Jewish, I mean, ultimately it's a very racist statement. Oh, you're Jewish, so you can't interpret the scriptures. But it's also a cop out. What well, it is. is that, it goes with a theology that says the Gentiles help Israel fulfill her role uh, into keeping all the commandments. Right. So the commandments are not really for the Gentiles. The commandments are for Israel and the Gentile believers in Yeshua are to help uh, Jews in the Jew. So Jews can do their role. I mean, it just shows that there is a, uh, at least in that, in that respect, there is a, it's so slippery and twisted. <laughs> it is. Well, it's, it's certainly not of God because it's a misinterpretation of Paul, but it's also a misinterpretation of all of Torah. So the spirit of God is not present in that statement because it's, it, it's racist at its core. So basically it's what a, you're saying, it's, a, it's, it's hijacking someone who's interested in, in Yeshua and it's redirecting them to a different agenda. Well, oh and, 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 and it's, and it's against the Abrahamic promise, which is the gospel. So a statement like that is anti-gospel. It is. And when and people use such an argument, somehow we need to say like, oh, Yeshua is Metatron, or we have to somehow do weird stuff because, well, because, and this is what they cite because I had this conversation two weeks ago with a quote messianic rabbi. Oh, well, the church has just done violence against the Jews. There's just all this anti-Semitism. And it's like, you know what? No, 
The Jews Yeshua, have done. Ju- Yeshua himself was rejected. His disciples were rejected. Were they? Did they not have the right techniques? What the if, Jews, you know, why they, didn't they, Yeshua they, tell his what, disciples what hor- just tell them I'm Metatron? They'll they'll let you in. You know, what a horrible argument! Because the Jews have done violence against the Jews. They went around and forced forced circumcised a bunch of people. Yeah, it's ignorant, but they're profiting off of ignorance. Yeah, they're they're profiting in this world, and they are losing in the world to come. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, I think it's actually a short show because we started, what, 10 minutes late? But uh, I'm going to cut it because my internet keeps going in and out. It's an annoying, it, it's just annoying me all around. And so I'm just going to cut it. I'm going to delete this stream. I will re-upload it. So if everybody wonders where in the world this uh, this video went, that's where it went. I will re-upload it shortly. Um, so yeah. will the recording be free of the blips, hopefully? Yeah, because oh, awesome. I, oh, good. because oh, the recording right, it's pre the re, yeah the re, the recording is predicated on not on the internet gotcha and it's not my equipment that is fritzing out it's my internet that's fritzing out so all the all the people online are getting like a choppy show they're not but if you go back and you want to see the parts that were choppy just watch the up uh, I'll upload it probably later today and uh, you'll be able to see it if not today early tomorrow morning but I'll try to get it up today and uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll go from there all right I know it's been a short show it's been what wh- what are we at oh 54 minutes we're only six minutes short that's okay hey it's our show we can do whatever getting we want close to number 400 getting close to number 400 getting close to 8,000 subscribers so help us out and subscribe which is going to be first. What's going to be first? Oh, certainly 8,000 subscribers. It wouldn't surprise me if we hit 8,000 subscribers this week. Um, Okay, subscribe if you haven't, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Rob just said subscribe subscribe if you haven't. Probably you're already subscribed. That's okay. Um, And actually, I don't think that, I don't think people actually subscribe to watch our long shows. I think only the hardcore people watch our, our long shows. I think it's the short videos that we put out from our long show. Anyway, um, be a part of the conversation, 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G resource.com. If you're watching this entire video and have made it to the end, congratulations. You're one of the few. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. We really do need some help uh, trying to put together content. So if you have questions, please send them in. We definitely need it. All right, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters.